Today on Fortified Niche, Conquest of Guerhorn and Spires. Fortified Niche. Hello everyone, this is Fortified Niche, your favorite podcast about uh, non-mainstream miniature games. And as always, I am your host, uh, JC Dent. And as always, and hopefully forever, I am joined by my illustrious co-host, Casa. We'll see how the contract shakes out, you know. Great to see this coming up. Yeah, so, uh, this week we're doing... Uh, game that came in fourth in our four game poll for games that uh, our twitter uh, followers would love to see us uh, review and that's conquest, last argument of kings unfortunately uh, despite the name it doesn't involve any suitcase miniguns which i think is for to its detriment i could really use a couple just you know small <laughs> too <laughs> yeah so like uh, one of those things uh, to discuss first is uh, probably the deep, deep lore, because uh, we're nothing if not suckers for that thing. Uh, yeah, so it's a fantasy world. Uh, it has fantasy in it, uh, humans inhabited. Uh, though, I guess the star, the, fir- the first starter, the initial starter that we heard about like years and years ago, uh, maybe, maybe try to put like the best foot forward by including 100 kingdoms and the spires with 100 kingdoms being your standard one unit of fantasy humans and uh, spires being uh, what if Ricky biomancer elves from space. I love the elves from Endless Legends. They were very cool. The spire was dope. Like one city challenge? Hell yeah. Uh, yeah, there, there were some discussion of Endless Legends uh, during our uh, of Endless Legend during our playtesting, uh, but these are like uh, the, the freakiest elves. Of course, the game doesn't call the, call them elves, but some of the unit cards make make it look that some of them are should be elves. So yeah, those so so those are your two start starting factions. The game has expanded since you now have. Dwarg, which are not dwarfs, though they're actually dwarfs uh, that were uh, constructed by the dragons for something, I believe, or they were constructed to kill dragons. Uh, the chaos dwarf thing, they're all like manufactured and evil because. Yeah. Well, I don't think they're evil. I don't think they're evil, though they have, uh, though their berserkers are literally on fire. And they have at least one unit of uh, machines that are inhabited by demons. Uh, there's also the Nords, which are uh, like, you know, uh, if you like free peoples in, Age of, in Song of Ice and Fire, that's basically the faction as far as I understand. The Varhoon are orcs, which are also a created race. And they're your fantasy rainforest tribals. With uh, requisite dinosaurs, they're your orcs with dinosaurs. And the last faction, I think the newest faction, is the Old Dominion, which is uh, a concept that's taken, that's even more fashionate, becoming ever more fashionate these days, which is like post-apocalyptic Rome. Uh, they 
tried to kill their god, it went bad, and now it's all zombies, uh, un, uh, crazed, insane, the godlings, and even some, uh, even some cultists. Just like communist Russia, see? See? This is what you get. Literally the same thing. Uh, Putin is a fallen divinity. Uh, he has half an angel wing. Uh, and I've uh, did, I've delved into the lore a bit today. I've uh, read more. And apparently, uh, as, fac- as factions outside of the ones mentioned exist, there is also Rus, which is, I guess, going to be fantasy Russia someday. There are city-states, which are uh, hoarding their technology and... Uh, they're Greeks, they're fantasy Greeks that are hoarding technology and fighting each other and not doing much progress. They're a splinter state from the Dominion that was not old yet. Uh, and also they're supposed to be weavers, which are the spire elves, which didn't decide to go insane and just went extra hippie super nature. But they're not in the game and I don't know if they're going to be in the game so yeah that's yeah that's 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 basically a box standard fantasy world or although the elves uh, i mean the spires are uh extrasolar alien exiles and the spire's goal is to return to their home world i thought the spires thing was coming like take over the current place and they cut off all their um reinforcements uh i guess we read different parts but i but uh, at least the sure. we were at least the Weaver lore states that the Weavers embraced the world of Aya, very, very original name, while uh, the Spires want to conquer it so they'd have a staging point to return home. And of course, uh, uh, each faction has sub-factions because you can't live without sub-factions these days. As far as the lore of the game goes, I don't know if I have much to say about it. The Spires really are a standout faction, I guess, because they're quite different to anything you'd expect to see in fantasy, and which is good because uh, people just endlessly riffing on Tolkien or just doing another Dungeons & Dragons stuff isn't exactly the best thing. I mean, there's very little fantasy involved in actual fantasy some of these, some, some of these days, so that is nice. Uh, as far as the world lore, I don't think I'm. I, I I don't think I feel like too invested in it. There's certainly a lot of it. They even have a lore section on their website that explains the way they they keep time. And there and it's and conquest is also built as part of a living world, because they release I think short stories at a certain intervals and people can vote on their outcomes. And I think they impact fluff in some way. I don't know if it, I don't know if it's meant to eventually percolate down into rules, but yeah. So they're doing a thing with it. And my counterpoint would be, I I don't care. I couldn't. I didn't read much of the fluff beyond like, yep, that sure sounds boring. <laughs> but <laughs> I've got a huge hurdle when it comes to fantasy worlds because it's I don't care. I don't care about your wizards. I don't. I don't care about your elves. I only care if it's got Discworld in front of it. I, I'm a bit more lenient for fantasy realms, and I, and as a Dominion, as the Dominions player, a bad Dominions player, I like the old Dominion because like Dominions, sure. the video game has like at least two or three undead roams in it, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, there's two Call of Cthulhu set in um, Rome at the moment. I'm pretty sure. 
the RPG, not the war games. And there's some war game stuff happening of uh, Rome versus Eldritch things. But like, yeah, the fun of this game is fine. Like, it's better than Earth Oathsworn. Oathsworn? Oathsworn? Oathsworn. Joe's Faye McCullough's garbage fantasy war game. Whatever that was called. <laughs> Oathmark. That's what it was. Oathmark. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, at least it doesn't feel... Yeah, it doesn't feel stale. Yeah. It's something different. It's something new. Um, it's cool that they're trying something. I'm not going to, like, take diminish that in any way like just because it's not for me doesn't mean it's bad yeah 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 well well but if we're gonna going to talk about uh what we do find maybe bad or irritating we can go towards the rules and uh this is a game <laughs> uh that is going to die on the hills of uh, d6 roll under even down to the point where initiative is decided by whoever rolls lowest. The roll end is fine. Um, it does have that first red flag of game design where roll off ties, just roll again, rather than having something interesting about it. Like uh, Carnival's roll your command dice amount in dice. And then roll ties, because of having, you know, if I'm rolling four dice and you're rolling four dice, amount, the other getting the exact same number is unlikely. But if you're rolling a d6 and I roll a d6, like, same result happens up a lot. <laughs> So the system is D6 roll under, and uh, but once it comes to once you go to the battlefield, the game lasts like uh, I don't know, I remember eight or nine turns, something ten turns, uh, based on the, based on the scenario. And during the turn, you alternate activating units with one exception. Uh, you you both have. Uh, secret decks of cards that and when it comes when it when it's your turn to activate a unit you draw the topmost card and you reveal it and then you activate a unit and you build those decks before the turn so uh there's a little fun bit of uh mind <laughs> games and trickery like you know do you go which units do you want to go before your opponent which units uh, do you think you can leave where they are leave them be uh, and there's also some flexibility in it because, as far as we understand, uh, cards are not tied uh, to a specific copy of a unit. So if you have three units of men-at-arm in your army and you uh, draw a men-at-arms card, you can activate any one of those that hasn't been activated yet. So yeah. uh, And the deck isn't that secret. It is based on units that you have either on the battlefield or arriving on the battlefield that turn. It's not like you yeah. have hidden information in Fiddy style. Like, oh, you know, don't know what's in my army. Ha 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 ha. Here is, you know, Sergeant Wolver's Wolverface. I mean, yeah, you know what, what's in the opponent's army and you yeah. know which units will be arriving, but you don't know the way they're going to act and move. Totally. And, um, um, activation order is pre-planned, which is kind of neat. It reminds me of the uh, Starcraft board game or Forbidden Stars, where you would place your units down and then reveal your order of activations in reverse like so the top to bottom after building a bottom to top but like it's the same thing you have an order of guys and you reveal them in that order um the fun rule is like cards have draw effects so when i draw my biomancer he gets to activate picking all units to take two actions straight away and be activated and then he can go so he can have his um brave band of meat shields walk up and punch and then do his cool thing of make you get punched again yeah, uh, there's some weirdness, uh, but when you read the rules, you you imagine that draw events are going to be a big, big thing. But I played uh, uh, the uh, 100 Kingdoms and the Dwarfs 
for my playtest and they <laughs> really weren't. They certainly were a much bigger thing for uh, Caster there, but maybe that's some sort of balance issue since, uh, or a balance decision since uh, Spires don't really get actual him, magic. Yeah. yeah, Spires had a bunch of upgrades that were like, on a draw effect, this is like, oh, that sounds fun. That's yeah. in every, every turn action, that's a good action. <laughs> yeah. Uh, another bit of weirdness is the way uh, draws and the heroes interact. Your characters are almost always parts of a unit, but when they activate, they don't get to do this the regular same actions as like you know uh, anything would do. They have like two or three specific actions, which is like uh, dueling another hero. Yeah, dueling another hero. Uh, casting spells or running away into another unit. Uh, so that's the, basically their thing. So you might say like, oh, so how do I use my hero, especially if they don't have magic? Well, if say your regiment with uh, uh, the dwarf commander uh, starts fighting another regiment with uh, starts fighting another regiment, the guy adds his attack dice to the uh, attack dice of uh, like you know the whole regiment, and he can't be killed like that unless you remove the entire regiment. But then, if you draw his card later on, like you know he can still act and do his actions. So. Uh, so there, there is a good, there is a fairly, uh, there are some fairly good reasons to activate the hero in the regiment after the regiment itself, unless you want, unless your regiment is already stuck into me in melee and you want him to duel the enemy commander stuck in. <laughs> so yeah, there are there are fun things to do with how heroes, well, the game that calls them character, yeah. and they've got work their, um, differently. Their big deal supremacy abilities, which are like their once per game. I'm going to change the tide of how this works. Like my executors could be like, I'm just going to draw the next three cards, and they're all going simultaneously, which seems neat. Or some abilities like the war. The, I had some with dwarfs that are just on all the time, and so you know it varies between faction and faction, and hero and hero. All uh, all, uh, all armies must have a warlord, so some characters can't have a warlord, and those warlords have a special ability called Turn the Tide, which just allows you to uh, allows the hero to activate another unit out of turn, which I which we never really used, and uh, our reasoning is that it's more of a reactive ability, right? Yeah, I never none of my guys seem to have it, so I'm not quite sure. Well, it's uh, it's uh, whichever dude you choose to be your warlord gets to, to turn the tide, but it just says that like, hey, uh, choose a visible unit that hasn't been activated to activate, and then once you draw a card that matches that unit you just discarded, and I think it's I think it's definitely oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's definitely a more of a reactive ability if. Uh, Say your plan is going sour, and you are afraid that well, some unit, some important unit, won't get to react, and you just activated your warlord. You just want to go in and punch, punch some dudes. So that's uh, that's the nice thing about turning the tide. And I think we've uh, <laughs> we've already bitten uh, bitten around the non-tasty part. We've already nibbled on all the tasty good rules part, and. <laughs> What's rest is the rest of the game, which is combat resolution in a fairly conservatively designed rank and flank game. And even before rank and flank, this is the kind of game where you also count the 
movement range of your wheeling units, not just walking around and then we pivoting. You also have to count the range of the pivot, which is it just like, feels so archaic. So like, I'm, yeah, like I get it where you come from if you wanted to do like a really like hardcore like you know what I imagine mm. circle games are like, but like it's not fun. <laughs> it's just so slow. It's uh, it's it is a very bad game to review so soon after having played the Song of Ice and Fire, which is probably the the worst thing we can say about it at the moment. Like it, I I played the the good one like two weeks ago. Like wow, yeah, because that that feels so much better and easier in these things. But um, uh, actually, this this game makes me a little less enthusiastic about uh, covering Ninth Age or Warhammer Armies project in the future because I took one I, I took one look and then a few others because I had to read the rules to play the game at all the rank and flank games about uh, putting the flanks together, reorganizing units to have more uh, more ranks than files and the way so we, we should explain determined. something about this game as well um yeah. minis are not individually based they kind of are, but they're not they come in squads of four so you've got your like it's like 40 by 40 millimeter no it must be bigger than that it's 10 by 10 well it's a four miniature for infantry it's uh four miniatures per base it's called a stand yeah yeah. And three plus stands per regiment. A regiment is like a traditional squad. They can be in any sort of frontage or lineup you want, as long as it's wider than it is deep, is my understanding. Yeah, yeah. So you start with three stands in a regiment. You can have 10 or more stands in a regiment, and you get benefits for doing that, um, which ties into the bad rules later. But it's they've all going to be touching another stand kind of thing. Like you can't have like one guy slightly further forward. They're going to be in a perfect line, touching squares, all nice and neat. Yeah. But how do you do that in a way that's like functional for a game? Like, do you just have a movement tray and they all just lock in? Do you put magnets on every single edge of every single stand, which was suggested by another group when I was talking about this game? Which is just it feels like they should just do big movement trays like kings of war and that would be just so much easier but they wanted to do this granular idea for some reason yeah i mean i think it probably ties into this game's dna and what you googled about who is uh, who we assume to be the guy behind this game alessio cavatore comes up in the search for it um hired by parabellum to design it Famous for 5th edition, 4th, 3rd, 4th. Done a bunch of editing work at GW that period in time. A lot of bold action work. Um, and it feels... I guess that might be why it feels like such a, an older game. Where Song of Ice and Fire feels very fresh and new and like contemporary. Yeah. Whereas this one is sort of like... It's, it's evolving off of something that we've already gone past. Like it's a fish learning how to walk when we've got birds. It's like, cool <laughs> job fish. Great stuff, but also. <laughs> well, I, 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 I don't know if I could call it like that entirely a living relic, an ancient. But you, you see the Warhammer DNA in it because Warhammer Fantasy was a rank and flank game and probably the biggest rank and flank game in the world. Um, 
but he also is listed on uh, Board Games Geek as having done some work on Kings of War, and apparently, and I guess he absolutely hated <laughs> not having individual casualty removal or just like counting by stand. And uh, well, it's a very good thing that Casa m- mentioned that this game comes in like units and stands because when it comes to calculating hits and stuff uh you count you count not stands but actual miniatures uh, but then also also you count stands sometimes for support because not because your uh second rank and further ranks only provide like one dice of uh, in the attack yeah it's it's annoyingly fiddly after playing Song of Ice and Fire with, where, where it just says, so how many ranks do you have? Uh, that many? Great. Uh, there's, we, we wrote the uh, hit, hit, uh, hit result or the hit dice you roll on the card. Don't have to think about it. Just roll stuff. Oh, you need to maneuver. To, oh, sorry. Oh, you yep. need to maneuver to attack a unit. Great. Uh, if you touch the unit, you either position yourself fully within the front, uh, fully within the arc, or half within the arc if you want to maybe charge them later. That's it. And uh, this game is much more fiddlier with wheels and uh, attack, attack rules and uh, reforming units and combat reforming units to uh, offer different flanks and stuff like that. Um, the eventual yes, attack it. dice rolls are they're fairly easy because you roll under to hit and then they roll under to save and then you start removing dudes uh, though uh, there's one peculiarity that probably Cass already wanted to talk about and that's the numbers involved right oh that is so low it made me think of turnip but turnip had the um defensive you're moving around potatoes and like sentient um potato byproducts and it was fun and it was fun the idea of that game was like well you know everyone's gonna die because everyone sucks until they die in this game it's like yes my mighty dwarven warriors hit on twos behold the fearsome spire creations forged from pure biomass and rock and metal and steel they hit on ones ha ha that'll show you and it's like, okay, I'm rolling a dozen dice and yeah. two will matter. Yeah, I like this rolling game... a lot of dice. I like the tactile feeling of rolling a lot of dice. It's a good feeling, but I I want the results to matter. I want it to be like, ooh, not like, well, I hope I spiked the dice. I was going to say disparagingly that this game was meant for people who want to roll a lot of dice because... Uh, I've looked through the unit entries and uh, non-characters usually, uh, well, the most elite ones uh, get at most two hits of uh, like, you know, three under. So even Mm. your top order elite units are whiffing their hits half of the time. Of course, there are... It's also like, if your stat is six or better, you just re-roll sixes instead of just always hitting because sixes always fail and ones always succeed in this game. Except for armor saves, in which case, you, you know. Ooh, I don't know about that. Uh, I saw that, but yeah, armor armor sure. saves. So yeah, you'll be rolling lots of hits, rolling lots of saves, and failing plenty of both because armor saves aren't fantastic in this game either. 
So it's about rolling, 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 all the time, all the time. can be good, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just like if you like rolling the dice and having a third of them matter, cool. This might be the game for you. Yeah, and also you like counting stands and miniatures and other stuff. So yeah, that that. But yeah, one thing that is going, I'm going to say is modern and in a bad sense is the morale system in the game. Which is Age of Sigmar sympathy deaths. Yeah, like I haven't got the problem with it that you have with it, but I definitely understand why it's bad tummy feels for people. Yeah, uh, especially when it's when it comes to stuff like infernal uh, engines animated by demonic spirits. It's like, uh, uh, hey, uh, they're. They got a lot of wounds in that fight. That demonic spirit doesn't feel like fighting anymore. He just uh, dies. Um, but also, like you know, if it was an older game, like uh, if it was like Warhammer Fantasy, it wouldn't be afraid of taking the control away from players. And because I think I think the reason why people are abandoning uh, ideas of like routing units and stuff is that it feels bad to take away the control from the player. It's like, hey, I, my unit can't do that and. I guess people prefer having units, uh, prefer having troops die and then some of them, uh, some more of them die instead of like having a unit that's running away. Um, so yeah. Uh, it's a good idea I don't know if like it's differentiating the... unit like qualities, like a unit that sticks around after being hurt a lot versus a unit that like breaks at the first sign of damage. But it, to me, it just encourages fight to the death. Like, running away yeah. from a fight is so penalized. Like, if you fail the roll, you just get a bunch of free, like, unstable damage on you, from what I understood. Might be wrong, yeah, probably yeah. wrong, could be wrong. But yeah, so you don't want to leave. If you, get, if you lose a fight and you lose the morale roll, just stay. Just grind it out as much as you can, because that's all you can do. Tarpit the enemy. Yeah. As long as you've got one stand left, they have to fight you. But if you've got one stand left, the death spiral is well and truly set in and you're burned. Not valid for systems where a giant monster is the one stand. Yeah, yeah. And there's also uh, the thing that attack isn't a free action. So if you want to charge a unit, you have to have uh, two, both of your actions left because units can do two things per, per activation i i hated that <laughs> i hated realizing that yeah good <sighs> because if you move and then charge the only thing you have done is walk yourself into melee for the enemy so like hey you, you're preventing their charge but that's but what they're going to do on their turn is spend their first action to inspire themselves which increases their attack value and then stab you well, I do wonder if there's so, cards that give you um, extra actions for activated units. I didn't see them, but like I'm sure there is a meta of some sort where unit moves twice and then you get to stab at them or something. Like a draw event, like pick an activated unit, they make it an action. Which could be good, but that could be a fun way to like move and then charge. But yeah, for the most part, it seems like you charge and then you attack. And if you fail the charge, good news, you're still moving forward. Yeah, I, I actually like the the fail charge, yeah. but still move forward. It's good. Uh, it, it prevents all sorts of like you know 
edge case charge scenarios where you're like, haha, if I succeed in rolling a six, I'm going to charge you from across the board and then I'm going to blend you. And if I fail, nothing bad happens to me. Haha, I'm risking nothing. No consequences. Yeah, I I love Nothing uh, bad ever happens to the Dwego. Yeah, I love getting players to risk things. Uh, And speaking of charging, there's a lot of cool stuff. Like, you can move through friendlies with no penalty as long as you have enough movement. You can charge through friendlies with no penalty, but if you fail the charge, (laughs) everyone's fucked. Yeah, yeah, everyone becomes broken. Just it's just like, like thing, but yeah. Hey, Speak. if you have this, if you have this thing in the game, why not just have like you know routing units and units routing through other units and stuff? Uh, on the PC, the fantasy kick lately, yeah. On the PC, I'm a fan of playing Field of Glory games. If 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 if, if you don't understand yet, <laughs> uh, there's also. Another thing, like a, a somewhat of a selling point that's also somewhat enshittened by the rule interactions is the way reinforcements work in this game. So like in the battle group, you don't start with units on the table. You have to reinforce them and you have to walk them on the table. And the uh, tables aren't big there. I think 4x4 four four usually. Uh, yeah, 4x4 four four in all the rulebooks. There's one that's like a weird size and that weird size is 4x6. And yeah, you play so on the long edge. So that's for the people who have been irreparably broken by Warhammer Fantasy. Uh, so you don't have any units on the table, and you have to reinforce to move them on it. Uh, which is which, neat. Uh, it's really which, cool. Which, what a fun idea! I like it's it, it's it's re- yeah, it's a really good idea, especially when you consider that later on the reinforcement line moves forward and say. You, then your uh, then your say medium units can deploy behind mm. your forwardmost light unit as long as the enemy isn't nearby and they deploy from the sides so they arrive from the flank so it's kind of like cinematic and nice and cute yeah but two things stand out here one of them is the reinforcement rolls which means like f- on the first turn only light units can arrive on the table and they only do it on a four plus. Uh, I think uh, on the second turn they arrive on a four plus, but now your mediums can join on a uh, not four plus four under, and mediums can arrive on a two under. So like that's Completely like completely different. Yeah, and uh, uh, that's not great. Uh, you have good odds unless you bring a lot of light units of <laughs> not bringing anything on the table on the first turn. And I guess that's the reason why the game both lasts like eight turns, which is like you know scary that's amount. Ten rounds. Of- yeah, scary amount of uh, turns and rounds, and there's a, and it's also the reason why light units can't hold scoring objectives; they can only contest them because otherwise, yeah. Uh, what we misread in the first game is like you just like you know walk in with your light units, camp objectives, and score points because they're scored at the end of every turn. But like yeah, so the roll rates aren't great for bringing in your lads, and there's also you know the movement the rules which are finicky and annoying by themselves. And when it comes to reinforcements you put the first line on the table where they're coming in and then you measure from the edge of the table which is which is a weird mix of having unit measure by being off the table and then walking in and having moving having a unit fully arrive on the table and then move from their spot uh in general i'm going to say that are they terrified of you to get an extra like two and a half inches of movement like 
it's a 66 millimeter tray from a quick Google, or it's 110 yeah. for a cavalry, which is pretty big. No, cavalry 110, it must be something else. Yeah, 110 for a monster stand. But, like, yeah, it's. Why am I measuring again, not from the unit? I don't understand that at all. Why am I putting the first rank on and then measuring from the back of the rank when that's not how any of it works? Yeah, uh, it's 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 a questionable decision. I I I I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, man. Um, and like, I'm I'm perfectly happy. I, I think that it's totally cromulent to have a role for your reinforcements. And it, like you said, it's cinematic. It leads to sort of uncertainty. You won't be guaranteed of having what you have. Kind of like uh, yeah, chain of command. Ha ha! Knock it off on the bingo card. Fortified niche mentioned a ladies game. Um, yeah. Yeah, like it is fun. Like it's fun. Like you, your commander is attached to a unit. So you're never, you're never going to have a squad appear without the commander that you wanted. So you're not going to be like, "Crap, he hasn't got anyone to ride on the board with." It's like, no, his squad is there. It's- uh, and uh, a legitimate tactic is to put a your commander unit in a light unit to have him arrive on the table sooner. And then once the actual unit arrives that you want him to be in, you can just run away if you if you are not in the in the fight and just join those guys and be like, "Hey, huh. now we're ready to party." And since those guys can arrive from the flank, they won't be at the end of your table taking five turns to like shuffle into position. Uh, yeah. So. So yeah, if if we replace the entirety of combat and movement rules with like what Ice of uh, Song of Ice and Fire did, it would be an interesting alternative. An interesting alternative, right? Uh, yeah, the light, medium, heavy designation for units is is pretty neat. Um, but the reinforcement yeah. line is is a really cool idea. I, I really like it. I like not having to worry about like your twelve inch deployment zone for board games or war games. Like I like the infiltrations yeah. that aren't just that. Infiltrators are fun. Um, yeah, it's a ten round yeah, uh, game. I, uh, and you've got oh god, <laughs> I don't know. And everyone comes on sideways when they come on from the flank, which is super frustrating if you're not like a single model unit because you've got to wheel around at five inches a turn. Most units move between like four and seven inches per action, and it's like, how far do I have to move to wheel myself to be facing frontwards? Pretty far, it turns out. Hope you haven't got a yeah. big squad. Yep. Um, yeah, because like you know, outside of the like combat and movement system, the game has a lot of neat ideas. Uh, the magic isn't isn't anything special. You just roll however many dice your wizard has in skill, and like you know, you have to roll. And the, the spell has a target number, and sometimes you have to roll more successes if because some spells are scaling, which means they cost you need more successes to affect bigger units, which is, I guess, uh, nice. Uh, no perils, nothing like that. No miscast, which is like you know, my, <laughs> I'm not a fan, but like, uh, there are, are a lot of like interesting and thematic abilities, and when it comes to the actual armies, and I guess this uh, dovetails nicely into the uh, nice into the other part of the rev- in, in, of our review, which is talking about army building. Uh, so as I you said, codexes. Do you remember when games had codexes that were forty pages and the most banal shit? Well, good news. They're back. Do you remember unit upgrades? Uh, so, so uh, I'm go- I'm go- I'm going to continue with my spiel about like you know 
faction unit abilities like one of the trends like you see if you see is if you see the spire faction one of their big things is decaying their units because they have because they are a shitty aristocracy or mercantile cracy of clone growers and a lot of their abilities are about turbo turbocharging their poor clones but in exchange, they get the decay rule, which makes them roll a dice and lose that roll a set amount of dice and rule lose that many wounds. So, like you know, you're burning through your forces as you go. On the other hand, all dominion, as far as I understand, uh, gets stronger the more dudes you lose because, like you know, it's freed up. Uh, spectral evil power or something like so you already have your cool as undead uh, legionnaires and when they die they power up the rest of the army unless you take a fallen divinity in which case they empower that guy and that guy comes (laughs) from being an okay dude to an absolute monster by the end so like it's it's almost like you're presenting yourself with a scenario uh yeah um Lizard men, orcs have their cool um, beat the drum. Sorry, it's not beat the drum. It's like chant the war cry or something, where each unit can have like a different kind, like death war or famine, and they put a token down. You like have to like alternate tokens to get off different buffs, and it looks neat. Lots of tracking, but like you know, it's something different. The factions all do seem different. That's yeah, you know. Uh, Yeah. Uh, the uh, the other thing uh, this game is interesting in is how you build your army and it's very uh, I'm going to say Lord of the Rings because the way you build an army is you select a hero and then he can bring four units which mean, which could be a regiment of dudes, a monster or anything and each hero type has uh, a list of units they can choose from. Some of those units are mainstay, which means you can take as many of them as you want, and the others are restricted, which means that you can't can't have more restricted units than you have mainstay units. So, at the maximum, your uh, your uh, I don't even remember how it's called a warband. I guess uh, a single hero's warband will have like at most two restricted units and then two mainstay units uh, for those guys. And like I said, it, uh, a lot of it depends on on the guy you choose. Like if if you're playing 100 Kingdoms and you choose the Cavalry uh, Order Prior, he can only really choose from other Order Cavalry and stuff. If you choose a Priest, for example, he can take Militia and Sicarios. If you choose an Imperial Noble, that's another, an, another selection of units. And so it goes through every faction and every hero. Some heroes have better choices others have less so yeah and it's a kind of it's yeah like if it cup alessio cavatari did work on lord of the rings it's one of his acclaimed games i've always heard good things about it and i quite like the way you build your characters warbands and have multiple characters as sort of like different rivalries and stuff um the min max part of my brain just immediately goes to like all right multiple small units so everyone's got a really cool character so it just becomes like Hero Hammer again. Everyone's riding around that dudes of awesomeness. And, you know, deal with that. <laughs> I mean, that's a legitimate thing to talk about because uh, while you don't really trick out, you, you can't always trick out the units themselves that much. 
you can definitely trick out the heroes with uh, relics and masteries and uh, retinues. Uh, it's uh, so if 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 what you're missing from Sage of Sigmar is having your customizable characters, these guys are, and each of the categories of stuff you can give them are somewhat really different. Uh, equipment is usually fairly simple. Let's say it gives you cleave, which ignores which ignores a degree of uh, saves and uh, maybe relentless bows or something. Then you say you have masteries, which I think is exposed weakness. I think is a mastery, which allows you to ignore once one unit like special ability or one one uh, one. Well, one master upgrade or something or like that. Yeah. Unit or one, it's, like a, it's like any of their upgrade options, like mutations or ferromancies or something. Yeah. Like, I'm just yeah. going to turn that off right now and uh, stab you in the face. Yeah. And then there's retinues, which are weird tiered upgrades. You have to buy the previous tiers before you get access to the other tiers. And it's also one of the ways you legally get more miniatures on the heroes. Uh, stand in the game because heroes are usually characters that are placed they, they have their own base and they you just chuck that bad boy into the regiment and then arrange the flanks around them uh, but if you want to have more dudes on, on, on more dudes on there you buy them as retinue they don't act as units they're there as markers that he has a certain kind of ability uh, but yeah, it's a whole thing. I think uh, I, I I didn't really play with those much, but I think Casa had one guy with like three levels of biomancy retinue, which yeah, it was great. He got to do his special action twice a turn. So how do you like D six plus six healing for every unit <laughs> in range? Twice yeah, a we turn. Did, we did some uh, math conquest, some last argument of nerds. Uh, thinking about taking the biomancer who do who does nothing but heal units three times per turn or something, and sticking him in a, in in either the cheapest or the second cheapest unit of clones, taking like <laughs> ten bases of it, and basic basically making an unshiftable blob of dudes yeah. that you can park on an objective. Oh no, you've killed eight of them. Six come back, and then six more come back. Ha 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 ha! Yeah, they didn't Fun have to do by all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um and yeah, so heroes are upgradable units themselves are not that upgradable. Every infantry unit has uh, can get a free leader upgrade which if it's a free upgrade and it's uh, no downsides better why isn't it included in the unit and the only explanation I can come up with is that hey, if you have a dude who has like six bases of hold ballista dwarf unit and maybe he wants to feel them as Two units. Maybe he doesn't have enough command units for two command miniatures for two units. So there's like one unit. And they're not free to every faction. It's very similitude. Yeah. Like it, Spire's um, nodes come with with a standard banner, standard bearer, and a leader. But they're fifteen points. But uh, yeah, like it's like a free leader uh, on top of standard bearer. Which spires are interesting because. Uh, some of their units get leaders, and but some of their shittier units just have a node. Dude, that's basically a standard bearer and the leader. And standard bearers aren't cheap, but at 15 points, they're kind of cheaper than some other standard bearers. So, you know, you're still ahead, even if the leader isn't like, you know, free. Uh, 
but you can't can, can't really go overboard with unit upgrades and there's really not that many of them often often, often you're just you know increasing the size of the uh, regiment and that's it the, definitely a big break from what you can do with your characters and the uh, to cast us eternal sadness the uh, I think the big abomination thing doesn't have upgrades or was there some other creature that you were like sad that it was like you know yeah no the, the abomination didn't have anything he couldn't like I mean he's great he's cleave one flurry one terrifying you know all the dice in the world like you know yeah he's he's the point. big f- yeah, he he's the big four-legged guy that was like in all the promotional materials and the starters and stuff, but you can't customize him. If you want a uh, absolute beast that can be customized, you go play all Dominion and you get take a, a, a Fallen Divinity, which can have all sorts of upgrades. So yeah. Uh, yeah, units have stat lines like in Warhammer and they have their own abilities. Some of them have draw events. Many of them, most of them don't. Uh, oh, and uh, since since all of the factions have sub-factions, you also choose one sub-faction before the start, which rarely, rarely imposes limitations on what you can do, and it's usually just like, you know, outright beneficial things for something. Sometimes they're free, sometimes they cost points. I like them. They're neat. They make my um, clones just generally better. Fightier and Evadia, and it was fun just to be like, aha, we are the, the the extra grown ones, superior creations, as opposed to the unnumbered menagerie. Um, yeah, I, it's a yeah, simple I've, change, but like it really adds a lot of like it feels like just a simple flavor thing. Like, yeah, okay, sure. A plus one, haha. Hey, it's uh, eventually it stacks up as you have like more and more clones and stuff. Uh, yeah, and superior creations, I think, really did did make a difference uh, in, in 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 our games. So yeah, that that part of army building is uh, neat. And you know, then you have to you know think about how your faction abilities interact with everything. And but that's basically where army building ends. Uh, one thing we forgot to mention, and it's kind of tied into this, is like. You also have a secondary objective deck, and it's a very sad thing. Uh, the unit, mostly the secondary objectives are like, aha, kill unit by magic, or kill unit by shooting, or like a, a lose a unit. <laughs> yeah, or lose a unit, and I'm like, oh boy. Sometimes, sometimes they're like unachievable because I had once had an option like, hey kill a wizard and i'm like i'm playing against pyre i don't think they even have wizards at all and having previously played batman where even unachievable objective cards aren't useless because you can spend them as a resource of sorts and was like um a bit of a step back yeah i think surely you get to redraw them if, you, if they're physically impossible to do like if i can't lose the units to decay because no one has decay then like Draw another one. <laughs> well, if you don't have anything that gives you DK, because like I, I think, I think Spire has yeah. no shortage of abilities that, that impose DK oh, on yeah. units. The the way I built them, they didn't really, because I didn't think about it, because it seemed bad. But like, yeah, um, the same with uh, Carnival's objective deck. Like, if you can't score it, man, just draw a new one. <laughs> like, mm. if there are no spells to dispel or counter, then sure, you can have another card. <laughs> it does. 
not playing for sheep stations. Some people are, and that's fine. Yeah, yeah. Um, and since we talked about army building, we could probably also go into army buying, which is, oh boy, you will need an excuse to buy those miniatures because this game Holy costs shit. Warhammer money. Holy shit. Uh, I did some, uh, not, well, not napkin math, but I looked at it uh, after our last playtest, and the, the $170 starter is if you play it as is and don't like pack in upgrades, which you can pack, but not that many of. It's like 500 to 600 points, and uh, my dear co-host informs us that the standard game is like 2,000 points, which yeah, is Yeah, 2,000 like, points seems you know, to be the one that everyone yikes. talks about on Reddit and like what the rulebook tells you to play, <laughs> yeah, which is yeah. so many points. So Remember, many points. the standard size regiment is like 160 from three squads of like for three stands of like guys so well it's not 164 like a regiment but like the, the regiment the abomination is 200 points like it's not a lot of points oh there. oh you meant points not money but yeah 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 sorry yeah some units can go as low as i think 90 points but that's like the trashiest trashman for it to, to, to be trashiest around um and i think that's the main reason why they released uh conquest uh, blood of kings or whatever our first blood which allows you to play a more of a skirmish game with the same miniatures but for uh, a lot less money which is like hey you know it's like the old uh, games workshop should make kill team to make people like have at least a toe in the game before like committing like 300 euros or more to build an army and stuff so yeah this is the probably the most expensive game <laughs> we reviewed to date yeah, spe- yeah, yeah, even I'm, from the buy-in costs. I'm I'm looking at two fifty-six Australian dollars, two eighty-five standard for the Conquest Spires starter set, and it is four uh, regiments and a boss. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I think I counted, and it's like six hundred or six hundred eighty points uh, yesterday. Oh, I understand. Uh, while the say the 100 kingdom 100 kingdom starter is like 500 points, uh, so that's like yeah, not great, not great. I mean, the miniatures are generally fine. I think they're great. I'm the kingdoms might be uh, might be a bit boring, but uh, I think the spires are unique. You won't find anything like it anywhere. And the old Dominion miniatures so far seem to be really good. Uh, their heroes are very, well, I won't say Dark Souls. They're more something like you would have seen in the, what's the uh, ca- what's the Castlevania game with the poke with the uh, with the cone-headed guy that's all like not Catholics and stuff like Betrayer. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the heretic, something like it. I don't know. So, yeah. like the miniatures are real nice. Uh, there's also also the unit boxes are plastic, and some of the heroes are actually plastic as well. So, you're uh, not working with uh, disgusting resin that much, because I think I saw some dudes be resin, uh, and like they really look nice. They're well painted in the store photos, which isn't always a thing. Would love to I'd... have them in the field if. Well, I had the money, I guess, or like the I'm game honestly more. more drawn to the big creatures than the small ones. I think all the infantry look 
terminally interchangeable. But the Apex Predator looks super cool. The Dwekom Hellbringer looks super cool. The Nation looks cool. The Automata, Automata for the Infernal Automata, look cool as well. Yeah, Once you get out of infantry, yeah. yeah, like they look. Yeah. Well, I like what I like. Well, you know, uh, the Mountain Yotnar and the Wardun Apex Predator are not that special, I think. Though the Apex Predator, I think, is probably one of the first game appearances of the uh, Feather Feathered Tyrannosaurus or something, because mm-hmm. it does because he do, that does have some feather. Because Wardun are like you know, jungle yeah. tribals, Accurate. Aztecs, and uh, dinosaurs. So. If you want the lizard men, but you hate lizard men, the mountain Yotnar is, he is a fantasy giant. You've seen one, you've seen them all. The, the, now the Dwaygorn Hellbringer Drake is definitely something because it's a big pissed off lizard with two huge manned cannons on the side and a guy posing in front of a throne on, on the back. He is like... Uh, what, he's like, again, someone looked at Fantasy Lizardman and said, like, you know what? I'd like it if it was dwarves and, like, read yeah. one of their engine for, like, dwarves. I don't uh, know. There is kind of a Lizardman vibe running through everything, isn't there? Sort of, like, um, non-Western, like, South American, Aztec-y. Um, sorry, I'm blanking on other indigenous people's names, South America, and that's my fault entirely as a boring white dude. Mayas, um, Incas, I don't know, man. Yeah, Mayas, Incas, Aztecas, um, that's like the, the non-orcs look like that. The dwarves have kind of vibes of that. Um, the spires definitely sort of in ways. Not not a uniform thing. Like this is me saying the aesthetic is similar. I'm not saying it's an intentional design choice. Yeah, uh, I, I'm, I'm going to agree with you on infantry when it comes to 100 kingdoms and the uh, Nords maybe. They don't look... They don't look inspiring and stuff. 100 Kingdoms is like your. It's their European fantasy nation. They have knights. You have plate armor, but no uh, no guns. It's crossbows at most. Heavily armored dudes uh, straight out of Berserk or something. And uh, yeah, that's that that's their thing. Uh, I'm 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 going to maintain that undead legionnaires aren't that widespread in miniatures yet, so they have no, a, a bigger appeal, and like you know, uh, Aztec orcs or something aren't uh, that big. Though these are the kind yeah, of yeah, honestly, orcs- like taking these guys for another game, absolutely. Like, um, yeah, if for an excuse to buy minis, they are they look like nice minis. Um, all the stuff I've yeah. seen painted up looks really good. If you told me like this aesthetic was you, like hell yeah, it is. Like it's sure, yeah, I, I get yeah. why you like it. Like, yeah, it's apart like, from maybe the um the fallen divinity, but that's just uh, I'm just gonna judge you for that. <laughs> yeah, well, it's fallen divinity. I guess it's also the artist exclusive miniature, so it's like you know for the real hardcore perverts, and so and sometime later they'll release a more accessible version because. <laughs> That that thing transforms the old Dominion army massively. Like, why not having like a, a model for like any other person to buy? It's like a crime, basically. Like, uh, like yeah. If I had if I had the money, or no, if I had the store credit, <laughs> I'd definitely buy into old Dominion. Uh, so yeah, the, the chariot. I want to see the chariot again. Where'd the chariot go? 
there was a chariot in the game i i don't know the game does cavalry uh, on like the same basis as most monsters i guess you only get one dude per stand so cavalry is multi-wounds so it's similar to how uh, ice and fire did it oh they're just having a um just yeah like i don't mind it as an idea it does it is i thought it was strange in a song of ice and fire when you could heal the unit and the a horse came back <laughs> Here's the rider and the guy. Again! <laughs> Somehow, I have paid enough money for the horse. Like, yeah, I will fight again. And, uh, like I mentioned before, there the retinue upgrades do exist as uh, models you can buy. And I think that's, that's one of those places where you get to actually interact with disgusting, disgusting resin. Uh, that's no slight against the Parabellum. I just hate resin almost as much as I hate yeah. metal. But I'll always Wear a mask, hate the metal guys. more. Yeah, you know it's it's it looks great. It's just expensive. Yeah, and like it's also expensive to us. It might, you might be coming from another game series where like a thousand dollars for a half an army is a fine amount of money to spend. And you know if you if you do feel that way, we have um a Kofi you can go and drop some money on, and we'd be ever, well completely willing to sell out. And I will sell out straight away. Whatever game you've got, I'll review it. Yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, if someone paid me, I'd review the Age of Sigmar. If someone paid me a lot of money, <laughs> I'd probably say a nice thing about it. Uh, uh, maybe that much. <laughs> nice can of Coke. Uh, shh, don't cheapen it. Uh, <laughs> you're dampening the prices through the spectrum. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. like, you know, uh, some, uh, some, some nice miniatures there. And like, you know, I'm the one to talk about expensive games. I'm being a big fan of Horus Heresy, which is like... <laughs> Yeah, as, year, as, year, as years pass, becomes less of a garbage trash fire to throw money in, but still not a cheap game. That glass house is looking so much nicer nowadays. It's like you've put <laughs> some real work to like paint the yeah, there, there's and, some nice yeah, plants, a really good rug that ties the place together. They started, po- they started polarizing all of the glass. Hmm. Oh, wow. And if anything happens, wow, it shatters so nicely. It's all sugar, it's all sugar glass, so I don't get hurt. that's smart that's clever all those rocks you're always throwing yeah so since since like like our audience is um 25% whales so (laughs) yeah yeah uh that's that that's the result of a twitter poll and you know it's both representative demographically and uh entirely unbiased and true yeah, I don't see why someone would lie on a Twitter poll. It seems like yeah, it's yeah like, you know, I think it's illegal to lie on the internet. Yeah, sorry, nine uh, percent whales, <laughs> which is still a significant amount. This yeah. is a game for you. Yeah, yeah, this is a game for you guys. Uh, play all Dominion. Uh, so now, now that we're like devolving into rants, uh, I think we should probably do the compliment sandwich, and I'm going to go first because. Uh, I'm the one hosting it. I'm going to say that I like the activation system and I guess the, the draw events associated with it. Yeah, it's it's neat. Uh, it's yeah, I don't know. I like it. I think it's cool. Um, it's something I've quasi seen before, and it's you know, it works. Yeah, I I I like bits that allow you to play like mind games with the enemy because if like they work out, you feel really good and it's much more be- much more fun and much more interesting than just seeing to see if your dice will beat my dice or if my army building ability will beat your army building ability. Aha, uh-huh, I know bet the meta more. Uh-huh. I read an article online. 
This list has been approved by 1,000 Redditors that have a lot of karma. Yeah, no, I, 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 I like the initiative system. I like the, uh, I, I, I like that nobody knows what's going, who's going to go next. I mean, you know that what your units are going to go next, but yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's my uh, first compliment. Come on, cough up. Yeah, one. um, I mean, it's definitely a game that exists. Sorry, um, <laughs> um, yeah, like for the draw events in it, um, the character cards. It leaves a lot of flavor and power to them beyond the points you spend, and you can really enhance and control the flow and dictate what your army does by like stacking. Like the following from yours as a related but different complement, the draw events themselves are neat. Something happening in your model's turn that isn't just like um them doing a thing. Yeah, uh, I'm <laughs> I'm going to allow this as a legally different complement. Uh, so if I have to complain about something, I'm going to complain the, about the entirety of movement and combat rules. Uh, I don't like it. They didn't make me feel good. They uh, didn't invoke ranking and flanking in a fun way. Uh, no, uh, maybe I've been spoiled by my exposure to ice and fire, but uh, no. Uh, do something like from that. Like, you know, copying the greats isn't like, you know, a crime. Uh, the cops won't get you and like you know make it e make it easier for us like make it easier for us to get to those draw events and to like you know reinforcement lines and don't make us count individual miniatures when it comes to like determining how many attacks i'm going to make yeah um i guess my complaint it's honestly the like the art of the game is neat like you look at the um concept art and it's cool it's like turnipy blanchian um really like that sort of metal kind of dark fantasy and then the models are all like 65 percent blah but yeah it's all right yeah, it's fine i wouldn't and say that ones, the some cool ones but, like, yeah. but it's the disconnect between the art and the models they've produced is um too far at times <laughs> Uh, I wouldn't call the art that extremely like, you know, heavy metal because people will come, come in expecting Requiem Blood Knight in this and it's... Not oh, for bad. sure. Like, it's but just that... Like, um... Yeah, the spires are very Eichar Geiger stuff. Lighter yeah. though, because they're, they're, apple, they're colored apple white. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Um, well, for my other compliment, I'm going to go with, I guess, the reinforcement line concept because... I both like the games that allow you to bring in units, not just like paratroopers and stuff, but just regular units somewhere more on the table than just your edge. And I like games that don't start with your army on the table already. And we've already mentioned Chain of Command and Battle Group in this, uh, in this episode. But yeah, so I like that as an idea. It's a bit hampered by the whole movement, uh, movement rules and pivoting and all that. But other than that, I think it's a neat thing. Yeah, um, it's kind of a bummer how much the game falls over its own feet at times when it could be soaring. I guess that's the perils of like climbing out of the ocean. I, I, I know I bitched about it um, <laughs> when we first started army building. Um, the army builder is, it, it, there is an online army builder, it works. It makes no sense the first time you use it because it, it doesn't work the way you think it will. If you're going to pick a unit uh, leader and then pick the little button next to him to pick a unit from the list, which wasn't, wasn't what I was expecting. But, like, the way they've diversified the factions is really cool. 
I really like how they've gone with that. Um, spires don't really play the same as Dwayne seemed to play, as 100 Kingdoms seem to play at like just an eyeball level. There's enough variety and changes between them that like you can, yeah, like it's like a Song of Ice and Fire, it felt like Lannisters and Starks were kind of playing the same game. I wouldn't entirely disagree, but that's uh, because I probably read more unit cards <laughs> or ability cards sure. in those games because, like, so st- to, st- to start seeing similarities and stuff. But yeah, the factions are different, and the army builder is good, even if it takes trial and error and like. Good all, I'm a eight-year-old kid, this is my first computer, what am I doing stabbing around to make it work? The real, the only real downside on it is that it doesn't provide a good preview of the army you've built, because you can have a whole list of what you've already done on the side, but it's not interactive, you can't scroll over the unit abilities to see what they do if they, you do want that you have to go into the unit customization window uh, and then uh, mouse over them on the other hand when it exports the rules into a pdf file it uh, adds all the rules you, you need and the rules for the game are free so that's that's nice yeah the rules are in a big list at the bottom yeah when so it's playing with so, digital devices, have it hyperlinked, have it pop up, have a tooltip, you know. Some well, you know, it's, people. It's, it's, like it's, it's for PDF export, so you can't really hyperlink yeah, it. Yeah, totally. If, you, if, uh, if you're printing off and playing at the club, which I guess people do. Uh, if you've ever played any sort of Warhammer game on fucking... Uh, with rules printed out of, uh, of Battlescribe, you know what I mean. Yeah, like it's better than Battlescribe, but it's... Yeah. I mean, like, is that damning it with faint praise? Like, if you like it, it's cool. I'm glad you like it. Um, but I like, I've seen other builders that do more interesting things yes. in a more intuitive way. And that's not to say, like, they should scrap it. Like, it's good. It's good. That yeah, no, it. no. The, but, but, uh, outside those things we mentioned, the battle, the builder is good. Uh, it's good shit. And the battle scribe is the bad shit. And especially the when it comes to 30k list buildings because that's also an insane community around it and they are doing insane things but anyway so we're talking about this game so uh uh senior con host uh, casa would you play conquest last argument of kings no uh, likewise, I wouldn't play it uh all the nice things are in the lead up to moving and fighting and the moving and fighting parts i just read them and it like entirely tanked my enthusiasm for doing the playtests but we dutifully did those and i was like nah man nah i've i've yeah. i've seen all of these things done and done better before uh so like i don't know you can argue that maybe ice and fire is a younger game and like but I don't know if the concepts that they use are entirely that new. I think Kings of War predates this, and they're definitely totally. not the ones that invented not having individual casualty removal orders, other or like you know moving people in stance. So yeah, so yeah, no, I wouldn't play this game, not in this form, no. And uh, I think you also had the diff- the idea of asking about buying into this game, and I'd also say no. It's very <laughs> expensive. <laughs> yeah. And the game, and like you know, 
I'm only in Horus Heresy because of my sicko love for Space Marines, so this this one doesn't have it. So yeah, no, nah. I mean, there's so yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Like I, I wouldn't play it if you offered a game of it because it'd be like we could play something else. Like you could yeah. use the minis for a cooler game, and I wouldn't buy into it because of the sheer cost of getting to a competitive or like game level army. I yeah. haven't looked into the skirmish side of it. Um, like, if you, yeah, you I mean, neither, me, but um, still. First Blood was amazing. I'd I have heavy doubts. But if it was like, you know, a small skirmish mm. scale on the side of like um, Lord of the Rings, like, yeah, that, that could be more interesting. But also, man, apparently it's still larger, but it's getting smaller, so I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> It's too expensive yeah. and you need too much stuff to play with it. But if you told me it was your favorite game, I'd know exactly what else you enjoyed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not to disparage yeah. you. If you like it, if you like this, if you think this is great, like sound off in the comments. Tweet us, quote us, call us out. Like I I love being wrong. Pay for a Twitter ad that mentions us. Uh... <laughs> yeah, no, uh, uh, unlike with some other games and big games that we're not going to review, I, it's, it's not a moral judgment or a moral condemnation no. of your character if you like Conquest, but... Uh, if you played it, I'd watch it. If you showed me your models, I'd fucking be like, yeah, show me your painted Conquest dudes. They would look amazing. But Yeah, yeah, like yeah. yeah. The, models, the models, I'm going to say, are great. I mean, I... Uh, yeah, and you can think for that. For some of the faction, yes. Some of the factions. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was just looking at other, um, yeah, other manufacturers, Romans, and like uh, V and V's miniatures, Romans, and be like, yeah, that's really nice too. <laughs> <laughs> back to Saga thoughts. Sorry. Yeah, back to Saga thoughts. <laughs> it all boils down to Saga or all or Lardy games. So yeah, this has been a fortified niche episode on uh, Conquest: The Last Argument of Kings by Parabellum Games. And like always, I've been your host, JC Dent. All of my links are in the uh, episode description. And I've been Kessa. And yeah, thanks for listening. Thanks to Parabellum for putting the rules out for the game and like the cool TTS module we used. Um, stuff's neat and I, I like seeing it. Um, and if you enjoy this game, yeah, let us know. Like I want to I know who's enjoying it. Um, not to judge yeah. you. I'm not going to yeah. judge you. I just like, I want to know why, you, why this grabs you so hard. Uh, so yeah, and that uh, that's it for today's episode, and see you in two weeks. Bye! Bye!